Hello, and welcome to the Interrobang Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Simon. Thank you for being with me today, and thanks for listening. Before we talk to our special guest, let's quickly go and talk about some of the news you may have missed this week. As of November 5th, all staff, students, faculty, and contractors at Fanshawe College will need to be fully vaccinated for COVID-19 in order to attend campus. The deadline to submit proof of a vaccine was November 5th, meaning anyone who has yet to enter their proof of vaccination information to verified by Synergy Gateway will no longer be permitted on any Fanshawe campus. Any employees of the college who have not been fully vaccinated or have knowingly misinformed the college of full vaccination status may be subjected to discipline if they appear on campus after the deadline. This discipline could potentially include termination of employment. And effective November 6, any employees who are not fully vaccinated will be placed on leave without pay for the days they were expected to be on campus. They may continue to work from home on non-campus workdays. However, the college said these employees will be able to return to campus once they are fully vaccinated. As for students, failure to submit proof of vaccination means you cannot attend any in-person classes. Students who do not wish to submit proof may be offered the option to defer their on-campus studies to a later date, as long as they receive their vaccination by the time their on-campus studies recommence. Some members of the Fanshawe community have requested medical exemption to the vaccine policy or have been granted accommodation based on the Ontario Human Rights Code. Those who have been granted exception or accommodation will be a subject to rapid testing, with a negative test result needing to be submitted to the college prior to coming on campus. Other accommodations may be offered on an individual basis other than being granted access to campus. And more on Fanshawe bargaining between the College Employer Council representing the 24 Ontario Public Colleges and the bargaining team representing the college's faculty union has reached a standstill after mediator Brian Keller called the union's demands unrealistic, unlawful and not in good faith. The union bargaining team, known as CAAT-A, has been in talks with the CEC since July of 2021 but has yet to accept any of the collecting settlement proposals that have been brought forward by the CEC so far. Now, the CEC has requested conciliation in order to continue pushing the process towards a conclusion and to avoid any potential strike mandates. Daryl Bedford is the president of the Fanshawe Faculty Union, representing the Ontario Public Services Employees Union, Local 110. He said the recent comments made by Keller missed the point of what the union is fighting for. Specifically, Bedford said the CEC settlement offers so far failed to address the issue of part-time staffing. At Fanshawe, 71% of faculty are precariously employed, meaning they are not employed full-time by the college. Contained with the most recent union offer of settlement are demands to end the contracting out of faculty work, calls for an annual 1% salary increase across the board until 2023, and an increased measure for decolonization. In a statement released by the CEC on November 1st, Dr. Lori Rankout, chair of CEC management bargaining team, called the CAAT-A's demands not feasible. Rankout went on to state that their bargaining team had provided little rationale for their tabled demands. Furthermore, the comments from mediator Keller paint a picture of a bargaining team unwilling to negotiate. As for whether or not the union has any plans to strike, Bedford said that option is worst-case scenario. Bedford also assured students that even if the union does come to a strike vote, the likelihood of a strike actually happening are slim. For now, Bedford said the union is uneasy, but hopeful that an agreement can be made. And London police were busy over Halloween weekend responding to three disturbance calls, two of which occurred in Thurman's Circle. It was there that a 24-year-old man was taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries sustained in what police called an apparent assault. Despite remaining on the scene for several hours on October 30th, police did not make any arrests and no suspects have been identified. Police accounts from that night state that there were a large number of young people present in the area, many of whom appeared to be intoxicated. 
News of the assault came as police chief Steve Williams expressed frustration over the number of people required to handle the various incidents involving students. Earlier this term, London police were called to a student residence at Thurman Circle in response to a bullet hole found in a garage door. People were able to determine that the gun had been fired at the scene, but no other details have been released. The investigation has been ongoing since September 18th. Now, I think it's time to introduce you to this week's guest. Today, I'm joined with Nicole Case from Mission Services of London. And today, it's all about support. Mission Services has a bunch of different events and campaigns going on right now. And I thought we could dive more into what some of these events are and how they're aiming to help those within the community. So let's jump right in to this week's episode. First of all, again, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me today. And I guess sort of just to start off, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about Mission Services of London. Maybe just a brief overview and and what are some of the things that you guys do within the community? Sure. So Mission Services of London has been uh, working for 70 years. This is our 70th year in London. And we have five different branches of service. So we have the Men's Mission, which is on York Street, and that has currently 76 beds. Uh, emergency shelter beds for men who are experiencing homelessness. In the same building, we have our community mental health programs, and those are outreach programs. So those are for people who may be struggling with their mental health. For whatever reason, they can't come into an emergency shelter. So our workers will go out and meet with them wherever and provide them with whatever they need. We assist everybody with a whole slew of different, uh, different problems. And then we also have Quinton Warner House, which is our addiction treatment program. It's a four-month live-in program for men who are struggling with addiction. And then we have the Rothholm Family Shelter, which has 20 rooms for families who don't have anywhere else to go. And Rothholm is really special because it's actually the only shelter of its kind from, I believe it's Windsor all the way to Kitchener. So within about an hour and a half drive of its kind, it's the only emergency shelter that will accept families, uh, either male or female led with children. Uh, And then our final branch is our thrift store, which is located just down the road from the men's mission. And we offer some outreach programs out of that store. We have our emergency voucher program, which gives clothing and essential items to individuals in need and they can receive those items for free. We also have our Warm Hands, Warm Hearts program run out of the Mission Store, and that program gives gloves, hats, uh, underwear, socks, things like that to elementary schools um, with both the Thames Valley District School Board and the Catholic Board as well. Brief. (laughs) We do a lot. (laughs) That's amazing, and I guess uh, breaking that down and I guess bringing down all the events you guys have going on, which is really what, what we're talking about today. So I saw the new campaign that's kind of launched this week called Scan Away Hunger. So what can you tell us about that campaign? How long does it run for? What is it set to accomplish? And how can the London community help? Sure. So Scan Away Hunger runs through the months of November and December. It runs at participating grocery stores. Our partners this year are Metro, Value Mart, Remark, Food Basics, and of course our mission store. Uh, and how you can participate is just by when you get to the grocery checkout uh, with, your, with your items, you can add $3.11 to your bill. That is the average cost for us to provide a meal to a person in need. 
Uh, and it goes to support the meal programs at Men's Mission, Rothholm, and at Quinch and Warner House. Wow, and I guess breaking that down too and how the London community can help with that. So how does the process go when you kind of walk up to the, the cash register at one of the, the supporting grocery chains? How can, I guess, we scan away hungry there? Sure. So we have um, we have marketing posters up all over the stores and cashiers will be wearing a button. I'm pretty sure the buttons say, ask me about scan away hunger. And so that's all you have to do. You just have to say that you, you'd like to donate the $3.11 and that will be added onto your bill and that will directly feed somebody in need. Amazing. And I guess, what is the campaign's overall goal? Our goal for this year is that we're trying to raise $100,000. Wow. And I saw, talking about that as well, I saw last year you guys actually surpassed that goal. It was $100,000. I believe it was over $137,000 you guys fundraised, which is absolutely incredible. So I guess looking at that, what are your hopes for this year's event? Yeah, we were blown away by the support that we received uh, from the London community last year. You know, it was a difficult year with everything happening with the pandemic and uh, you know, providing our services throughout all the various lockdowns and isolations and all that. So we were we were very touched by how much we received last year through the campaign. It's always hard to predict how these things are going to go, but we're optimistic again this year. I think London is a community that really does care a lot. These are some of our most vulnerable citizens. You know, they're on the streets. We're heading into winter. It's it's a hard time. And I know that people are very generous at this time of year. And we're looking forward to seeing um, how much support we can get. Absolutely. And going off of that, looking at, sorry, some of the other events you guys have going on as well. So I saw, or I guess maybe you can tell us a little bit about the Lukowitz Financial Challenge. So I saw it's running, I believe, until November the 30th. So really, how did this challenge start? And what can we as a community do to help with it? Yeah, we were extremely fortunate to um, have the support of Lukowitz Financial. They gave $50,000 for the emergency shelter program at Rotho. So that money will go towards providing beds, meals, emergency services to families who really are in need. Um, These are families that do not have anywhere else to go. So the challenge came about just through that partnership. Robert Lukowitz and his his team have been longtime supporters of Mission Services. We're very grateful for their uh, assistance. And we are, yeah, like you said, running that challenge until the end of November. Um, You can go to missionservices.ca through our online donation form there. You can select the challenge that that's where you'd like your money to go towards. And we are just really excited to see how the community is going to step up, whether they're going to be able to match it. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about even another event that you guys have coming up this year as well, there's there's just so many of them. It's amazing. We're very busy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I wanted to talk about as well the, the Hope Banquet that you guys have going on. Um, so really, I'd love to learn more about the background of how this banquet started, what does it aim to do? And, and what are this year's hopes? Sure. So we have traditionally always had a banquet event in the fall. Uh, this is our first year with it actually being named the Hope Banquet. We used to just call it the Fall Banquet. And so our Hope Banquet this year, uh, we decided to do it all virtually. We weren't too sure what the restrictions were going to be like. So we thought that we could take some of the flexibility of doing an online event 
and really try to make it a fun opportunity for people to hear a great keynote speaker. Because it's a virtual event, we're able to patch Liz Murray in from New York, and she is an incredible person. She grew up with her parents were struggling with addiction, um, and they passed away when she was 15 or her mother passed away when she was 15, sorry. Her father then moved into an emergency shelter, leaving Liz to fend for herself. And she somehow was able to, she went back to high school after having dropped out. Uh, she finished it all four years in half that time. So she finished high school in two years and she ended up winning a scholarship to Harvard. And so she is just a truly amazing person. So guests to our banquet will get to hear from her. Uh, they'll get to hear some music from a local musician. We have virtual networking rooms. We have the option, you can do a curbside kickup of a three-course meal from the convention center downtown. And so we're really trying to bring the banquet experience, but also give you a little bit of more flexibility. So you can stay in, you can wear pajamas, you can wear your evening gown, whatever works for you. <laughs> That's amazing. And I saw there was also a, a silent auction going on as well. So I guess moving from that, what do the funds from this banquet go towards? Sure. So yeah, like you said, we have our silent auction. Uh, again, because we're doing everything online this year, instead of our auction being just for guests, it's open to the public. And instead of it being just one day only, we have been able to do two different lots that will be running. The first lot is open right now. It ends on November 9th, and then the other items will be available. And so we're just able to open this up to a lot more people. There's a lot more flexibility. And yes, to touch on your second point, the funds for both the banquet and the silent auction are going towards the emergency voucher program and the Warm Hands, Warm Hearts outreach program, which are both out of the mission store. Wow. And I guess out of everything we've talked about already, moving towards the the heartfelt, the, the effects that you guys have on the community, whether it's, you know, Scan Away Hunger or, or the Lukowitz Financial Challenge or the Hope Banquet now, how have you seen these events and, and countless others help those within the community? I think one of the things that doesn't get said too often is just how much of a difference it can make to somebody who's struggling to know that they have community support. It really makes a fundamental difference to know that a larger community is taking care of you, whether it is providing meals, providing a safe space to stay, a toothbrush and some shampoo. London is a city that experiences, I think, a lot of hardship sometimes. And I think with within the community experiencing homelessness and addiction, there can often be a sense of isolation that can be very difficult to overcome. And I think community support means so much to our participants. It really can, the smallest act of kindness goes so far. And we've heard so many stories about people who have been able to turn their lives around because they feel like they're worth something now, because somebody else has seen their need and responded to their need. It's not possible to put a value on that. It's it's so important. Absolutely. And that's, so interesting you said there, and I guess that's moving towards my my next question as well, which is more of a personal opinion from your own. So as a member of the team there at Mission Services of London, what kind of reactions do you see or I guess when it comes to reflecting on all the work you guys do, not just about the events, but 
all the other shelters and different things you guys have, what is the overall reaction that you kind of get when it comes to community and, and how we support? Yeah, I think, I mean, I can't speak for my colleagues. I think everybody has different experiences and everybody kind of walks away from our jobs here with different takes on things. But the one common thread, I think, is that there is a sense of gratitude, I think, for what we do have. You know, for me, for me personally, I have three kids and when I need to go out and get them winter boots every year because their feet keep growing, I'm able to do that. As a parent, that feels good that I can take care of my children's needs. And when I think about somebody who may be in a situation where they can't do that, where they can't get a toothbrush if they need it, that to me, it puts everything into perspective. So again, that's just speaking kind of for me personally, <laughs> but um, I, I think it would be difficult to find somebody who works here that didn't feel the same way. Absolutely. And one of my last questions here, maybe more of a large scale question, but we can bring it down to that, um, I guess, more personal opinion sense from just what you believe. So what do you see Mission Services of London doing kind of long term or, or for the future? What are your hopes for the, the organization? What is something that the organization is, is set to accomplish one day? And just kind of turning that kind of large scale into more of personal opinion, I guess we can call it. Yeah, that is a difficult question. <laughs> the issue of homelessness, of poverty, of addiction, these are all such complex issues. They're multifaceted and everybody experiences these issues differently. Every one of our clients is unique. They all come to us with different needs. And it's really hard to say that there's any one particular direction that we should go in. You know, there's a lot of passionate people who work in this sector. And for every passionate person, there is a different answer to that question. <laughs> so I wouldn't be able to uh, to even begin to answer that. <laughs> so I guess kind of just wrapping everything that we've talked about, mm. kind of as my final question here, is there anything that you'd just like to add? Anything you'd like to reference or, or mention? I just want to leave it up to you. Yeah, I, um, you know, running through our various events, I don't, ever want to discourage anybody from getting involved. Like with Scan Away Hunger, $3, that can feed somebody a meal. And that's, you know, it's, it's sometimes the little things that add up. So we're extremely grateful for all of our community support, whether it's uh, regardless of donation amount. It's more than just the figure. It's that feeling of support. It gives someone, you know, where they're being seen, they're being helped. And that is just, you can't put a price tag on that. So I would encourage everybody to consider giving. We are extremely grateful for all the support that we receive. And it really does make a difference. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much, Nicole. That's all the questions I have for you today. This yeah, been, fantastic. <laughs> it's been absolutely wonderful getting the chance to speak with you. And I look forward to, to seeing how these events turn out and I just can't wait to to participate in them as well. Yeah, <laughs> no, thank you for uh, thank you for all your um, preparation. <laughs> I well, can tell that you studied that website. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I, I just think it's absolutely incredible what you guys are doing, and and any way that I can kind of shine a light on it more or get more of, especially for Scan Away Hunger with that coming out as well. Mm -hmm. If I can let more people know about that, I know 
personally for me, I know so many people who would love to help. So any way that I can. And again, thank you so, so much. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interabang podcast. You can catch up with every episode on Google Play, Apple Music, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe.